Welcome to the Emotional Intelligence Podcast hosted by Nadia Alfertassi, founder of Thrive with EQ. Join us as we explore the world of emotional intelligence and learn how to build stronger, more resilient workplaces through higher levels of emotional intelligence. With two decades of experience in the world's largest security organization, Nadia brings a unique perspective and invaluable insights to the table. Her mission is to help businesses break down silos, build bridges, and create a culture of emotional intelligence that fosters well-being of employees, builds strong leadership, and ultimately drives business success. By learning how to manage emotions, communicate effectively, and foster a positive work environment, you can improve productivity, reduce turnover, and build a team that's happy, healthy, and motivated. So whether are you looking to enhance your own emotional intelligence or create a culture of emotional intelligence within your organization, you're in the right place. Get ready to thrive with EQ. Welcome to the EQ Elevator podcast. Today, you're going to be doing something innovative and different. And in looking at the challenge, many chief executive officers face in small, medium enterprises in the financial services sector. There is a difference in the way we need to look at in large corporations versus smaller ones. It doesn't mean that the risk is higher or lower elsewhere. It's just they have different capacity and different infrastructure to manage these risks. And often the SMEs are at a disadvantage because they don't have all the resources or the the scope to ensure a low-risk profile. So they are forced to work with third-party solutions, contractors that add to the complexity and that add to the security risk. So in today's episode, we're going to look at in a reflective way, so not in a reactive way, because when we talk about, we, we have all these conferences and these roundtables and we talk about what CEOs or what chief information security officers need to do in order to ensure a solid risk profile. But at the end of the day, when S hits the fan, those discussions don't help the leader, the CEO, the CISO in the moment in managing these highly emotional, highly stressful, highly adverse circumstances in order to get a grip. And even though you don't believe the, the risk is high enough that this will occur to you, subconsciously, you are highly aware of the risk and subconsciously, it is stressing you out. Any CEO in the digital age, whether you are a small corporation or a large corporation, in the back of your mind, whether you're going to admit it or not, you do feel some sort or extent of fear that it's not a question of whether you will be breached not you as a person, but the company's data, the, the infrastructure. It's not a question of if, but often when. And this is not to use a scare monitoring techniques. I truly believe fear is not the solution. However, when we are in the moment of pressure, we do feel fear and often we tend to react or act on fear. So how can you look at this during a reflective practice? So not when you feel fear, in order to gain so much clarity on how you can further reduce the risk in a way that works for you, even though you're not going to address 
everything simultaneously. But when you do this reflective exercise using the EQ elevator approach, you're going to come from a place of uh, less stress, more clarity, and you're going to see things from a very different perspective than when you're going to do this in the midst of meeting, between meeting, the pressure of being everything to everyone that adds to our mental pressure. And it's very difficult to exercise this reflective practice in understanding what you would do, what your team would do, what your middle management would do, and uh, what the employees would do, what stakeholders, customers, the whole ecosystem. We're not going to go in every detail. If you want to sign up for a one-on-one -on -one session with me, we can go in much more depth. But this is just a, a snapshot of demonstrating the power and helping you with the framework to do this reflective exercise and reduce risk as much as possible from a place of focus, calmness, groundedness, and not fear of stress or pressure. So with that said, let's start. How is this going to work? I'm going to first relax you in the sense we have to feel relaxed so we don't come from a stress response. And I keep saying stress response, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you feel danger or threatened. Even if we're just really busy or have multiple things on our list, that induces a sort of stress response. So I really want to help you clear your mind. And for that, we're going to do a small relaxation technique. Now you can choose to close your eyes. So I recommend you are by yourself without distraction. Put your phone away for a few minutes and make sure the lights are dim. Because if you keep your eyes wide open, you're going to be stimulated. And then this exercise defeats its purpose. So the importance is that you feel relaxed you can come from a place of clarity and not from a reactive place. If you don't like to close your eyes, then make sure they are open just a little bit so you can hold the gaze. The outcome is that you, the intention is that you feel as comfortable as possible and less stimulated eyesight. With that, I will invite you to close your eyes if you want to. And just take a couple of deep breaths. So breathe in. On the count of four, hold your breath on the count of four and breathe out on the count of six. So breathe out longer than when you breathe in. Breathe in on the count of four, hold your breath on the count of four and breathe out on the count of six. Now your mind may be racing. Why are you wasting your time? Just let it be, don't engage. Bring your awareness back to your breath. Remember, whenever you feel overwhelmed with your day-to-day -day priorities, whenever you feel overwhelmed with the pressure that you face in that position, as if the company's existence and continuation rests on your shoulder in the digital age, whatever it is for you, remember that the most important anchor in your life is within you. It's your airflow. If you think about it logically, without our airflow, you wouldn't even be here. So just take a moment to appreciate and to focus on the airflow. It goes up and down your nostrils, in and out of your lungs, every second of every moment of every day. Notice how you feel. Whether you feel cold or warm, notice your feet on the ground, 
calming down your mind so we can create more clarity. Now, I want you to see yourself taking the elevator, the EQ elevator, and you press the button for first floor. When you come out, out of this floor or out of the elevator and into this floor, this is your perception. So you really see yourself walking in ongoing cyber breach, ongoing data breach. Come from a place of reflection. Really notice first, how do you feel? Do you feel confident that you can handle this? And do you feel stressed that you don't know what to do? Don't have a plan in place? Perhaps you do have a solid incident response plan. Perhaps you do have everything in place to absorb the shock of a data breach, minimize the damage early on in the process, and invest in recovery measures. Really notice from a curiosity point of view, not a judgmental point of view, which is really important. This is human beings, we tend to be hard on ourselves and judge ourselves or go in judgment mode. And it robs us from the ability to see things more clear or from a different perspective, be more innovative, how we respond to these types of crises. So the practice of this exercise is to anticipate from a reflective place, not reactive place, what would you do? How do you feel? In a psychological safe space, you don't need to discuss this with anyone. Just understand for yourself, how does it make you feel? Do you feel confident that you and your team got this? Or is it the opposite? So just take a few moments to notice how you are navigating the cyber breach, the data breach that is ongoing within your company. When you got off the first floor, notice the missing pieces. Notice that what is really causing the most panic or what works, what is not working. Does your security team, are they on top or are they reliant on third-party contractors, outsourced tools? Whatever it is, look at it from a place of curiosity, not judgment. And now I want you to go back in the elevator and press the button for the second floor. And as you arrive at the second floor, now I want you to put yourself in the place of your internal stakeholders first. So when you look at it from a place of your management team, of your C-suite, your chief information officer, chief information security officer, if you have one, your chief human resources officer, chief people officer, your chief operation officer, your chief financial officer, your chief people officer, what are they doing to manage employees? What are they doing to help them remain calm, vigilant, and prepared? What is your chief operational officer doing to ensure minimal impact on operational capacity. What is happening? Are, do they feel that they know what they're doing or are they running around not having a clue? Try to put yourself in the 
external stakeholders map of the world. How are they reacting to this crisis, this data breach? Does your security officer feel empowered? Does he, does he, you feel he got this or she got this? Look at it from their map of the world. And for the purpose of type, you can also, or you should also do this if you want to have maximum benefit from the map of the world of your external stakeholders, the board of directors, the customers as well. Confidence and trust in financial institutions is not so much dependent on whether you're going to be rich, but on your ability to recover resiliently as possible while remaining transparent. How are you dealing with your customers? How are you communicating to the outside world? How are you minimizing the risk that things are leaked before you even have full situational awareness? How do you have full situational awareness? And how is your team helping you with that? So again, look at it from a non-judgmental perspective, from a curiosity perspective, so you gain as much information as possible to help you develop a mitigation plan that is more effective. And now I want you to go back in the elevator and get out the third floor. We're going to do this one more time. And I'll explain the other floors that I also use with my customers in doing this exercise. The third floor is looking at it from a neutral perspective. So just push the third floor button. I'm being very directive. I do apologize. I invite you to push the third floor button and get out the elevator and just stay on the sideline. And I want you to see yourself. I want you to see your internal stakeholders. So your C-suite team, middle management, employees, perhaps even stakeholders, whoever in, in the third floor navigating the cyber breach. Notice how you are reacting or reflecting. Notice how you are handling the situation. Notice how your team is handling. But really from an observer perspective. So you're not introducing any bias that is inherently yours or theirs. You're looking at this. What can you learn from the situation and how you're navigating the cyber crisis or data breach within your culture, within your company culture, within your specific industry? How is your company how are your team, how are your employees navigating the cyber breach? What are you learning? What are you noticing that you didn't notice before? What are you noticing that is not included in your incident response plan, that people are not equipped and prepared for in terms of preparedness, building preparedness building, resilience, so your company is ready to bounce back in case of cyber breaches. So you maintain that level of confidence from stakeholders within your ability to navigate cyber breaches. Now, you can do this also going on the fourth floor, which is more the risks on the company itself, so the different departmental risks when it comes to business development, customer relations, when it comes to internal operations and the impact on reduced or even stopped productivity, when it comes to the financial officer and if there is ransomware involved. So you can look at all these different 
perspectives from a business perspective, from a bird's eye view, if you were the business. And then obviously the fifth floor is the macro environment. How is the external environment? If you require this, which I always recommend to better understand the full scope of risks that can manifest and that you can reduce ahead of time. Now, the last thing I would like you to do is to go back in the elevator and go back into your comfort zone, whether that's your office, your home, wherever uh, that is for you. And just take some time to see yourself or take some time now and reflect in terms of what are some of the questions you can ask yourself when it comes to ensuring preparedness, resilience, and readiness. So some examples when it comes to ensuring preparedness, some examples of reflection prompts, you can adjust these to fit your specific company culture, your situation and context. What are the potential specific risks that your organization face when it comes to ensuring cybersecurity and how well prepared are you to handle them? And here you can look back at the scenario we just went through. Did you notice whether you had a clear grip on identifying your critical assets, your crown jewels, and how are you protecting them? Your incident response plan, how robust is it beyond technology and processes? Do people know how to collaborate, communicate, and coordinate on the pressure? How can you improve your communication channels and ensure a more timely or effective response to cyber, a potential cyber breach? And again, you can look back at the cyber scenario we went through. Resilience. So how quickly can you adapt and maintain operational continuity. This is where the chief operation officer come in. How big is business disruption? How big would the business, business disruption be? I hope he speaks, he or she speaks better English than Nadia. How can you leverage your strengths as a team to overcome challenges and bounce back? How can you implement more team building or strategy offsites where you exercise these challenges in a fun, collaborative way so that you are more prepared when there is actual pressure. And let's say even if it does not happen, right? even if the risk is small in your perspective, you still go to bed with less stress because you feel more comfortable and confident that you got this. You and your team got this. This is the most important thing to understand in managing you know, today's stress levels of C-suite. It's not the question whether it will happen. It's the question, how comfortable do you feel if it does happen? How confident are you? And the higher confidence levels, because you reduce the risk, the less stress you will feel and the higher quality of well-being, even people within your organization will experience. And that has a ripple effect onto your customers, onto your reputational image as well. What lessons, what, what are the most important lessons you learned from doing this exercise? And better prepare yourself for potential disruptions. And when you look at the readiness, right? What are you doing to stay up to date with the latest cyber threats and relevant technology, not just quick, shiny, 
gadget solution that costs you a lot of money, but that's not going to you know, help you in the end. This is why these kind of reflective visualization exercises can help you see whether the latest technology or gadget that you bought or your security people bought is actually not useful. Or perhaps it does halt the cyber breach, but has consequences elsewhere. This is the case often with the kill switch, halts the ransomware, but it still causes severe business disruption and doesn't guarantee that the data is going to be given back. What partnerships and collaboration can you form to enhance your readiness and really build a stronger cyber defense network? How are you using external stakeholders and internal stakeholders to make cybersecurity something a social responsibility for all from a place of value, from a place of collaboration, from a place of making cyber fun. It doesn't have to be scary because there's a lot of unknown. So how can you make the unknown known and make it something people feel excited about to be responsible for and, and, and train them accordingly to navigate it? When we look at any types of crisis, whether it's a personal or professional one, Often, as people, we are very adaptive creatures. We learn a lot, and we always know how to handle a situation eventually. We can learn and equip ourselves with these resiliency skills. So when you have a very tight and solid team that works well together, when the, the, the collaboration, communication, coordination amongst your team is solid, nothing will break you. You may bend, but you won't break. And this is the important piece many organizations are missing. Technology is important. Processes is important. Policies is important. But how solid your team is together, they know what to do, when to do, how to do it, that even the most novel risk, even the risk that you have not foreseen, you will manage. So with this, I invite you to take some time to reflect more on the things you've learned today. I hope this episode, this framework was useful to you. If you're interested in doing a personalized session to go into much more depth, I do offer one-to-one -one sessions. I also work with companies in helping them with the people aspect of cybersecurity simulations in better understanding or in better developing their incident response plan or crisis management plan with an approach whole organization approach through the emotion intelligence toolkit. Thank you for listening. And I look forward to connecting with you during the next episode. Thank you for tuning into the EQ Emotional Intelligence Elevator Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained valuable insights into the world of emotional intelligence. To learn more about Thrive with EQ and Nadia's mission to build stronger, more resilient workplaces through higher levels of emotional intelligence, visit our website at thrivewitheq.com. You'll find a plethora of EQ leadership resources, tools, and services to help you and your organization thrive. Thank you again for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends and colleagues. As always, keep thriving with EQ.